Now on Netflix, inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman, comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Hometown Ghost Stories contains serious and often distressing events and is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. This week on Hometown Ghost Stories, when you think of Oklahoma City, ghost stories usually aren't the first thing to pop into your mind. A haunted house by the family who helped build the city, a hotel where even NBA players are scared to stay, and an asylum with more than one murder story attached to it might make you look at the city just a bit differently. Join us as we explore the haunted places in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. And a quick announcement. Be sure to check out the Hometown Ghost Stories crew as we joined Chris Jericho for an episode of his podcast, Talk is Jericho, now available on all platforms. I was born dead, and since birth, I've always seen ghosts just a little bit more than others. Let me back up and explain. I was born with gastroschisis, which means my stomach and intestines were outside of my body. I lived most of my childhood in and out of hospitals. At the age of one in a hospital, I was talking to an imaginary friend. My mother didn't think much of it at the time. After all, I could only utter a few words. I pointed out a giraffe to my friend, and I said the word, Raph. It seemed to understand. Moments later, the stuffed giraffe moved on its own several feet across the floor. My mother was terrified. My family was never well off. The mounting medical bills didn't really help. And when I was 14, my parents moved my two younger brothers and myself into a house in South Oklahoma City. While moving in, my 13-year-old brother and I went and inspected the garage. There was a big, blackish splotch on the concrete that someone had frantically tried to scrub out. It took us only a few moments to realize this was dried blood. It turns out the previous family were the victims of a home invasion, where the crooks rounded the family up, took them to the garage, and executed them one by one. Our father made us swear not to tell our little brother we would only last two months in the house. It started with the mirrors. All of our mirrors started breaking, appearing as if it was punched or cracked. At first, my dad would blame one of us. And then we would come home to either the family Bible missing, every light on, and all the cabinets in the house open. Once again, our father would still get angry at us. He didn't want to believe that there was something else doing this, even though no one was home to do these things. 
And then it would begin messing with my youngest brother. There was a shelf in his bedroom closet that none of us could reach without at least a step stool. Yet, his toys would end up on it. My other brother and I would be blamed, and my youngest brother would remain quiet. That is until the day that my father was going to beat us. Finally, my little brother broke his silence. They're not doing it, Dad. It's the little boy that lives in my closet. He just wants to play with my toys, but he never brings them back down. And he's scared of the dark. That's why he always turns the lights on. After that, my father would still just blame his overactive imagination. One day, home with just my brothers, we began to hear a noise. And when this would happen, we would pretend nothing was going on, and we just kept watching TV. About a half hour later, my grandmother's picture would fall off the wall, and then we sat there in horror as it began to smolder. At that moment, a little boy appeared in the kitchen entryway. He was wearing a tan shirt with blue stripes and jeans, and I will never forget the look on his blank face. After what felt like an eternity, he would take a step back. A few seconds later, a black shadow figure six to seven feet tall appeared in the same spot. Pictures began to fall off the wall, and we ran out of the house. 20 minutes later, our dad came home to the three of us crying on the ground in the front yard. My siblings and I would never enter the house again. This was a listener-submitted story from Anissa. I'm Rob Coakley, and this is Hometown Ghost Stories, Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. The Overholzer Mansion Henry Overholzer was considered the father of Oklahoma City, and in 1903, he would have the first mansion in the city built. While Henry was busy building buildings, theaters, and railroads around the city, Anna was known as the biggest socialite of the area and often hosted balls, parties, and social clubs. After their deaths, the mansion would pass to their children and eventually be donated to the state. Since then, it has been the site of hauntings. A caretaker of the property once moved the blowtorch she thought was cool-looking from the basement to the kitchen. Shortly after this, security guards would begin to call her at 10 in the evening and 4 in the morning. They would always say the same thing. You gotta come. I don't understand what's happening. But the kitchen door keeps opening and closing on its own. So the woman would come, and by the time she got there, the door had stopped opening and closing on its own. This went on for a week. Finally, her husband went with her one time to check it out. When he looked in the kitchen, he noticed the blowtorch. He pointed it out to his wife and asked her where she found it. She brought him down to the basement and pointed next to the furnace. He said, you know that blowtorch is what they used to use to light the furnace, right? She responded with, no, I just thought it looked cool and wanted to display it. He then went on to explain that whoever would be in charge of the furnace would have used the blowtorch around 10 and 4 every night and morning. The woman moved the blowtorch back to the basement, and after that, the kitchen doors stopped swinging open on its own. The most famous ghost of the mansion is that of Anna, where more than one person has seen her walking around in dresses that she was photographed in. Another caretaker pulled in one morning and saw a film crew setting up across the street. She approached them before entering the mansion to ask what they were filming. While chatting, one of the crew members asked who lived in the mansion currently while looking up. The caretaker told him no one, 
and that it's currently her museum and locked tight until she opened the door. The man became pale and pointed at a window and said, I just saw someone open that curtain and look out at us. Neighbors and passerbys have often said that they also see the curtains of the third floor open and that they see a woman in a white dress. This woman is believed to be Anna Overholzer. A visiting senator, Mike Monroney, and his wife that were friends of Anna's daughter were staying in the mansion one evening. Mrs. Monroney was walking down the stairs when she saw a woman in a white dress walk from the parlor into the music room, which she was able to identify as Anna Overholzer. On another occasion, upon entering the mansion, a worker heard muffled voices between the music room and the library. She went searching for the source but couldn't find anything. She told a co-worker about it, and that co-worker informed her that Anna had bridge games on the first Tuesday of every month sharply at 2 p.m. The worker was hearing the voices on the first Tuesday of the month around 2 p.m. The creepiest story was the same woman was approached by a random visitor after a tour had concluded. The visitor said to her, Anna wants her Bible put back on the table. Again, the woman went to her co-worker and told her about this as she wasn't aware of Anna having a Bible on the property. The co-worker's mouth dropped and said, yes, they did have Anna's Bible, and recently it had been moved to a closet for storage. They promptly returned the Bible. Amongst Anna and the basement worker, it is believed Henry's spirit is still within the mansion. A stroke in 1911 caused him to stay practically bedridden in the house until his death in 1915. Although not quite as prominent as his wife, Henry's spirit has been felt especially in the room that he spent the last four years of his life. A shadowy man has been seen moving throughout the room and disappearing upon being noticed. The Skirvin Hotel the 14-floor, 225-room Skirvin Hotel is located in downtown Oklahoma City and is the city's oldest hotel. The hotel that is now on the National Register of Historical Places first opened in 1911. It was named after its founder, W.B. Skirvin, who had a reputation for gambling and womanizing. It is believed that on the 10th floor he would often hold illegal gambling activities and private parties. Known to have multiple affairs, the one of legend is one with a maid named Effie. Effie was described as a promiscuous woman for her time, and it seemed W.B. had met his match. They carried on an affair, that is until Effie wound up pregnant. Not wanting the scandal to get out, it's believed that W.B. locked Effie on the 10th floor of the hotel. Locked in a room for nine months, she eventually would give birth. Yet, W.B. kept her locked in her room beyond the birth. Effie became depressed and eventually decided she didn't want to live anymore. She would plunge from the 10th floor with her baby to their death. WB, being well-connected, was able to keep their deaths quiet. Since then, the staff have heard voices and seen objects move most prominently on the 10th floor. The ghost of Effie seems to be very attracted to men who stay in the hotel as well. In fact, the hauntings have become famous over the years as NBA players have chimed in on their experiences. In 2010, multiple New York Knicks players blamed a loss on staying at the hotel. Eddie Curry was so frightened that he left his room on the 10th floor to go stay in Nate Robinson's room. It didn't change things much, and most of the team said that various knocking and noises kept them up for the majority of the night. 
Later that year, Todd Gibson of the Chicago Bulls was in his room in the Skirvin, when suddenly his bathroom door would slam shut. Taking a few moments to process what had happened, he was scared to death, but still tried to justify that it was a reasonable explanation for the door closing. Derek Rose, who was staying down the hall, was in a teammate's room because he was also frightened, and then they both heard the door slam. Bill Simmons, a notable sports journalist, stayed in the hotel and heard the cries of a baby all throughout the night. Meta World Peace even claims that he was inappropriately touched by the ghost of Effie. NBA teams still stay there. However, it has gotten around the league from player to player to keep an eye out while staying at the Skirvin. St. Vincent's Mental Asylum The St. Vincent's Mental Asylum opened its doors in 1945 and it wouldn't take long for tragedy to strike within its walls. A nurse working in the building began to get fed up with the patients. So one night, he waited until everyone was asleep. He snuck into the room of a patient and suffocated them to death. After an autopsy, the death wasn't considered suspicious. Shortly after, the nurse would strike again, and yet again, the death wasn't ruled as suspicious. Perhaps feeling he had nothing to fear, the nurse would try something different. He threw a patient down a flight of stairs with the goal of another murder. This time, though, his victim would survive. He would flee the state right after. Shortly after that, the man turned himself into the police, possibly because he wasn't able to live with the guilt. Shockingly, the police didn't believe him and submitted him to a lie detector test. When he passed, they finally took him seriously. When asked why he did it, he told him that he had tried to kill before and failed, so he had to try again just to see what killing a person felt like. The man was then evaluated and found to have schizophrenia and would spend the rest of his days in an asylum himself. A few short years after this, the asylum would start being run by a priest named Father Dolan. He would operate the asylum as an alcohol and drug rehabilitation center. Things appeared on the up and up throughout the years. That is until Father Dolan's arrest in the mid-1980s when he was trying to solicit a male prostitute that happened to be an undercover cop. Shortly after this, Father Dolan would be found brutally murdered in his apartment and then some other things began to come to light. Apparently over the years, there was at least two other instances that Father Dolan was brutally attacked and it was always by individuals that had sought treatment at his asylum. The first attack was at a bingo game that Father Dolan was involved in where two men left him brutally beaten. Another attack saw things escalate a bit. According to a friend of Father Dolan, a man and a teenager beat him with a baseball bat, followed by dousing him in gasoline with the intention of setting him on fire. He was able to escape when he reached his car. Supposedly, the motto for every attack was robbery. The suspects from the first two attacks were cleared of the murder later, and a different suspect was brought in but never charged. To this day, the murder of Father Dolan remains unsolved. As for St. Vincent's, many believe the building that is abandoned and decaying is also haunted. Some believe it's been haunted by a demon since its doors opened. Investigation teams have recorded EVPs within the building that sound like an angry voice telling them to leave. Others have been attacked and scratched. Most believe, however, that the demon that haunts the building possessed the men that committed the murders within the walls 
inside and outside of it. The building is now off limits to the public and structurally unstable. Those that do break in, however, have reported feeling like they are being watched and followed. With the current condition of the building, it is most likely to be torn down in the future. Perhaps when that day comes, the spirits that haunt this building will finally be able to rest. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome in to Hometown Ghost Stories, episode number 31, Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. I'm Jesse Wilkins. I'm joined by Rob Coakley. What's up, Rob? What's going on, everybody? We're also joined by Dave. Hello, Dave. Hello. Oklahoma City. A few locations there. A few of many. I want to welcome everyone that's hanging out in the live chat. First of all, thank you to uh, Irish Assassin for the Tier 1 sub. I appreciate that on Twitch. And then we got a bunch of new people in here. Uh, welcome in, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Posse's here. Fox Crown. King Casher, as always. Uh, Quad is here. What's up, Quad? Uh, the one and only Captain McSlugs. You know, the usual crowd. What's going on, everybody? Stephanie, how are you? Um, we also have not the real Dave Wilkins in the chat, which is fun. I don't know who that oh, is. Goodness. I have my suspicions. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, my new way is in the chat, who is from, apparently, Oklahoma City, saying that we should go and check out their haunted barn which sounds terrifying, but consider it done. If we, if we get to Oklahoma city, we'll come check out the barn. How about that? We haven't, uh, we haven't covered a haunted barn before. Um, kinda a little bit. Well, a I few. guess the yeah. conjuring house, maybe. conjuring barn was pretty haunted. Yeah. The Bridgewater house. When we visited there. The Bridgewater house starts with a barn. True. I guess the, I guess the barn wasn't haunted though, but it was part of the story. But yeah, Oklahoma City, I got, a, well, I, we got an email from a listener named Anissa, and she told us this story that we opened this episode with, and it generally was one of the more terrifying stories that has been sent to us. Like, all the stories we've been sent are great, but that one story, like, it's just real attention grabbing that I was born dead was the way she opened the letter to us. And I was like, wow, now you have my attention. And uh, so it just went from there and I went through and started reading her story. And I was so interested in it that I reached out to her and I asked her if we could chat on the phone so that I could get some more details on the story itself. And that's what I did. I gave her a call. Um, we talked for a good 20, 20 to 25 minutes or so. And she just kind of broke the story down for me and everything that happened to her and her brothers in this house with her father. And hopefully I did it justice for her telling her story. But to me, that story is, you know, I might have just laid it out a little bit better, but I didn't change anything in this story. This is everything that happened to her. So it's a yeah, it's a crazy story and a nice job putting it into an episode there. Uh, it was definitely creepily told it. And the fact that they were able to just uh, never go back in the house and just pick up and move out. I mean, a lot of, a lot of families can't do that. And that's why hauntings last, you know, 15, 20 years sometimes because they can't figure that out. So nice that they were able to just get out of that situation for, uh, for sure. Yeah. I think, I think from what I understand, they weren't 
they were by no means rich. That's why they moved into this house that had this murder occur. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm guessing they were just able to move into a family member's house. I didn't ask her where she went. That's what I would assume as well. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so like that story was terrifying. And I'm like, well, if I'm doing this story that's in Oklahoma City, let's see what else Oklahoma City has. And I was pleasantly surprised with some of these locations that I was able to find. Um, I thought all three of these locations were great. I did want to try to tie in another city that's just like 25 minutes away from it. But I was like, eh, we'll hold off on that. But there's a story I really like in Oklahoma. And we'll probably be back in Oklahoma this year at some point for another story. Yeah, there's there's plenty more in, uh, in Oklahoma. Uh, my new way just uh, recommended El Reno, which is the uh, historic fort. And that one is also definitely haunted. So probably save it for a future episode. But he says there's a or he or she, I'm not sure. Uh, but they said that there's uh, five or six ghosts there. Fox Crown says he was born premature. Well, yeah. I'm glad it worked out because uh, Fox Crown was one of the people that. Uh, did join us this weekend. So just to take a quick detour, I do want to thank everybody who came out to the uh, Paracon 2022, which is on the USS Salem in Quincy, Massachusetts, which um, we won't get into too many details about the ship because game changer. I'm going to cover that uh, for this week's episode. So next week we'll cover Quincy Mass, but uh, the event was cool. Uh, Catherine, Soph, Andrew, um, Fox Crown. We we got a, a good amount of our viewers that came out to, check it out. And then we also had plenty of like so many new people that uh, found out about the show and it was awesome. It was awesome. You get a lot of comments on my shirt here. I got my GG snap shirt who is actually in chat right now. What's up snap? Welcome. Welcome in buddy. Appreciate it. Um, but yeah, yeah the event was awesome. Uh, a lot of new, new good connections that uh, I'm excited to circle back around to and connect with. Got a, another podcast that we're going to be um, going on. We met uh, these paranormal guys uh, that's going to come up in September and then met a couple of psychic mediums who are interested in coming on our show as guests and possibly doing investigations with us. So a lot of cool new con- connections and a lot of cool things coming up. Yeah. We also had a location down, to investigate uh, too. So we also one, picked up. There might've been two actually. So, so we got at least one that we're doing, I believe it's in July, right? July. Is that what the, we're the location? Yeah. We're yeah. going to be covering the, uh, all over house in Middleborough, Mass. Yeah. Yes. So we'll actually go in there and uh, and do a live investigation. We did a brief investigation on the USS Salem. So we'll have more details about that. But it is a uh, a ghost ship, if you will. So a uh, haunted ship, um, big, big old battleship, very hot battleship. It was like 100 degrees in Massachusetts this weekend. So it was definitely uh, definitely pretty hot. But inside the battleship, it wasn't that bad. Certain rooms got really hot, but where we were positioned, it wasn't too, too bad. So we had a, we had a good time. Had a good time. It was yeah, a lot the fun. organizers were smart. They were like, hometown ghost stories, they're going to be the first ones people see when they come in here. Boom. Opening spot. So, you know, <laughs> smart guys. Smart yeah, guys. Smart guys. Definitely. Yeah. Um, what's going on to Pankaj in the chat? Good friend of mine as well. Love that he's joining but let's get back into Oklahoma City. So was there one of the stories that you guys found more interesting than the other ones on this one? One of the ones that you that you shared already or one of the ones that Well well, let's start with the ones that we that we already watched and not the extra ones. Yeah, for me it was all about the hotel. I, I loved every every story coming out of the I mean I didn't love every story. Obviously ghost stories are pretty tragic, but the uh the tie in with the NBA and the fact that multiple athletes from different teams were blaming losses on this. So if it was just one team that blamed a loss on it, I'd be like, 
Yeah. I don't know about that, <laughs> but the fact that multiple teams and multiple players got spooked off by ghosts and, you know, they're changing rooms and freaking out. Um, and notable players too, you know, uh, Nate Robinson, Metal World Peace. These, these, if you guys follow basketball, these are uh, notable players. So they're not just nobodies, but um, I wonder if Nate a, Robinson stayed in that hotel before he fought Jake Paul. <laughs> that could have been it. Could have blamed before that on got, the loss. Before he yeah. got turned into a ghost. <laughs> yeah, his soul probably ended up at that hotel after he got knocked out. Oh man, that was a that was a brutal one. But yeah, that that, that would have been a good excuse. He should have blamed that. Yeah. But. So here's my my thing with the Skirvin Hotel, though. I feel like I've heard that story before, attributed to different hotels. You know what I mean? Where the owner of the hotels having an affair with somebody. He locks her up in the hotel. She does whatever she wants to do to to end her life, whether it's jump off the building or some other way. There's a kid involved. And it's like, it's not documented. The rumor is because he's so well-connected that he was able to cover it up. So, like, that does make sense. So that could absolutely be something that happened. Or is this urban legend stuff again you know what i mean so we'll never know for sure well yeah the, i mean this was her, kind of, her she jumped off a she committed suicide so there there would be a record of that right somewhere well that's the whole thing is he supposedly covered it up so there's not going to be a record if he's covering it up right i guess I mean, is he that big of a deal deal in a hotel sure but he's not I mean, did you, you know, see that hotel? Imagine if you have the money to bankroll that hotel in that era, then yeah, you have the money to, you know, you've made connections, you know, you know, people, it's not like Oklahoma city in 19, whatever is New York city, like where it's still right. probably, yeah, you probably own the whole town. Yeah. You're probably you're like, probably at a hand and, and who gets elected to what. Right. Um, my new so, way says the Shervin is haunted, but the stories are rumors. Yeah, exactly. Like it, rumors, but based upon something that could be real, be, you know, like because everything checks out in the fa- in the way that he could have the resources to cover something up. So you're just never going to know unless some random book shows up a hundred years later, which is never going to happen with some details on it, like a random journal gets f- discovered. Or something like that. But yeah, I, I think regardless, you have multiple interpretations of the same story on the 10th floor of specifically men being touched inappropriately while in bed. It's not just Metal World Peace. There's other reports of that before and after him. There's all the NBA teams. Um, Kyrie Irving is actually, I don't know if it's still in development, but he was developing a movie based on the Skirvin Hotel and the hauntings. Really? really? Yeah. So that the last report I saw on that was like 2018, 2019. Obviously, with the way things went over the last few years, that could have gotten shelled permanently. I'm not 100% sure, but there's a lot of interest in this hotel, and it goes you know, all the way up to these NBA stars that are still scared to stay in the hotel than, you know, but it's like yeah. the nicest hotel in the town. It looks, yeah, it looks very nice. Uh, and then the baby crying probably ties in with her baby, if that story is is true. I right. it could be any other ghost of a baby, I guess. But um, 
the thing with these hotels is so many people going out, you know, thousands every single year. It, you don't know if it's some kind of a haunting like that or a residual haunting with people that have just had a good experience or a bad experience inside the hotel. And that's just where their ghost ends up. Right, but, we um, talked about that with the Mineral Springs Hotel, the three-year-old boy that no one knows who he is. It's like, well, what if that three-year-old boy um, grew up to be, you know, um, an old man and passed away, but that's just where he had the best time of his life. Being there with his family for that three days, four days, is just he never forgets it. So I think that you don't – you don't have to be a spirit at the age you pass away at, right? You could be a spirit at prominent moments in your life. Mm-hmm. It's a residual haunting. Yeah. So it's not even just people reporting being like touched inappropriately. There was also reportings of seeing a ghost of like a naked woman and that naked ghost woman would like talk dirty to guys and stuff. So it's kind of, um, it goes beyond, um, yeah. Oh, there's a scene of figure of her, uh, oh, of the mother taking a shower. She's in there. Mm-hmm. It's one hell of a ghost. Yeah, it's a different one. I mean, we don't really hear much of that when we cover these stories. So it, it was definitely an interesting one. And you even have, um, I think it was Todd Gibson, the NBA player, is like, I was in my room. My bathroom door just slammed shut. But I'm trying to... F- figure out he's trying to like play it off that it wasn't a ghost but like he's like has no explanation so he's one of those you know those skeptics it's like it's there's got to be a reasonable explanation for it and you got Derek rose down the hallway scared to death in his teammate room like i also heard that door slam and i am not going to go find out what it was because i <laughs> am terrified yeah and then there's other reports that like there's um we took it all we brought them to our land an endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Maids carts that will just be like rolling down the down the hallways on their own. Um, strange noises, whispers. Obviously, we, we mentioned doors opening and closing on their own. There's a bunch of stuff that happens inside this hotel. So definitely a prime spot for ghosts. Yeah, I mean, I, I love this, the story of the Skirvin. I was like, I was like, as soon as I did Oklahoma City, I'm like, well, clearly I'm covering the Skirvin. There needs to, there needs to, this needs to be the way for this episode. So... And then what were the uh, the other locations that you had on that one? So there's the Overholzer Mansion, which is really interesting in the aspect that, like, nothing sinister happened there, you know, but the Overholzer family is essentially the ones that built the city of Oklahoma City. They, they're the ones responsible for a lot of the buildings, like the layout. That's, that's what, you know, Mr. Overholzer did with his life is he helped build that city up train tracks, you know, all that stuff. So they were the most prominent social gathering place in the, in the city. Um, His wife would have tons of bridge games, social parties, like everything. So there was a lot of energy in that house at all times. 
And now it's a historical site, which most of these places are. And some of those stories you heard in there, there's others as well. But like some of the ones that I shared that I found is Anna though. So like the right people recognize her and then they, they see her picture and they're like, Ooh, that's the woman I saw. That's the ghost I saw. So, uh, she's recognized by her photo. She was always wearing the, uh, lacy white gown, another, another woman in white. These ones are very, uh, very prominent. So, uh, but she's been seen in other dresses as well. Mm -hmm. So like, and they'll see them in photos that of her and they're like, Oh, that's what I saw her wearing. The white one is the most prominent one though. Yeah, you see those kinds of things happening all the time. But um, they should they should do a test and take the picture of Anna down and replace it with a picture of someone completely random to see if people still say that's the ghost I saw. Yeah, and then, and then they could say, hmm. Well, yeah, I but a lot. Good. A lot of these sightings were even before, like it was a like a museum type thing. So if you remember the story about the senators, they knew her, and. Yeah. They saw her walk down the stairs, I believe it was, into the music room. She's like, that's Anna. Like, I know. And she's been dead for however long. But it's like Anna in her, you know, the form that she probably would want to be remembered in. And it was just like, like seeing the ghost of somebody you know is got to be another level of like astonishment and terrifying, all like mixed in one because you're like, I know that person and I know they've been dead for a long time. Yeah, there's that. And then I wonder how long after her death that was, because you also have this point, this like period of time after, like right after someone dies where people see that person and they see that ghost and they're right there. And usually the reasoning behind it is believed to be that that ghost still has a message that they want to pass on to this person. Now I don't know how much like, these senators or whoever they were, were really close with this family or not. But a lot of times when, when people die uh, or when someone close to you dies, you might see that ghost like for the, you know, within the next couple of days, next couple of weeks until that ghost gets that message across, whether it comes to you in a dream or whether they somehow get that message to you in some creepy kind of ghost like way. And then it's believed that <clears throat> that spirit might, you know, be able to rest at that point. So this is like a super heightened time where uh, people either believe they're seeing a ghost or they might actually be seeing a ghost for a certain period of time until that message is passed and they're gone. So right. I, and, that's and how I wonder, because I was just going to finish, but the, but considering that they know her or knew her, I wonder how close it was after she died that they were like, oh, that's her. And I wonder if she had something left to say. Well, to your point, uh, just to expand upon that, the the senator and his wife were there because the house was still owned by the Overholzer's children, mm-hmm. and they were friends with the children, so they okay. were staying with them. So the children were in, or the daughter, I can't remember specifically which child was there, but lived in the house at the time too. So, to your point, it all that adds up as well. Yeah, so it couldn't have been that that long after. Very yeah. interesting. Looks like a really cool, really cool house. Um, yeah, then they're not even the only ghost in there. You have the ghost of the worker who, when they moved, like, that item from the basement, he was he was pissed and just <laughs> opening and slamming that kitchen door until I got moved back. And, like, they're just calling the caretaker every night at, like, 11 and 4 a.m. Like, uh, it just keeps happening, and I think you need to come fix this shit because I'm terrified, and if you don't, I'm probably going to quit. 
because yeah. I'm not dealing with this right now. I don't get paid enough for this. Yeah, you had two Henrys that died in the house. So there was um, Henry over, uh, Overholzer who died of a stroke. And then um, they actually had a baby, uh, Henry Samuel, who uh, I think only lived a few months and then died as a baby. So, Well, Henry's he, was sad too because he had the stroke and then he was like bedridden for like, I think it was four years. So like he goes from being this guy that just constantly like is on the move, right? He's building everything in the city. He's doing things at all times to boom stroke. Yeah. And And you're right. It was four years. Yeah. So the stroke was in 1911. He died in 1915 and was basically bedridden until his death. Right. So when you're in a room, he's and he was in the same room for that four years. So if you're going to haunt anything, it's probably going to be the room you were stuck in for four years, right? Yeah, if I were to put my money on uh, on where he is, I would guess it's still there. Yeah. They had a daughter named Henry, too. I don't yeah. believe so. Did they? Yeah. Yep, they had a daughter named Henry. Yeah, Henry, Henry, Henry Ione. Ione. Something. Yeah. That's quite a name for your daughter. He basically just named all of his kids after himself. Everyone's Henry. That's what George Foreman. George George Foreman. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, Will Smith and Jada did it, kind of. Yeah, sort of. Yep. Yeah, I mean, their daughters Willow and their sons Jaden. So. Yep. They found a way to circumvent the fold to just name their daughter Will. Not at Henry Overholzer though. He's like, nope, my no, daughter is Henry. Henry Junior. You're Henry too. (laughs) Yeah, this is what we're doing. We don't make decisions in this house. We just run with the same thing over and over again. Newey says the uh, Stone Glen Inn is haunted as well. Oh, very cool. It's Henry. Um, it's a soph. No, it's not. It's Henry. Okay. Her name is Henry. Yeah. Stay out of the soph. <laughs> <laughs> don't stay out of it. Keep commenting, please. Um, so the last thing that's left is the asylum out of the three that we covered. And I had no knowledge of this one just kind of poking around the lore of Oklahoma city. I stumbled across it and I found both of the main stories that happened here. like really, really interesting to start with the nurse when it was an actual mental asylum who was going around murdering patients and nobody noticed to the point that like he was just trying new methods and he, unsuccessfully try to kill somebody throwing them down the stairs. And he's like, well, now they're going to come after me. So now I got to run. And then he was scared while he was running. So he turns himself in and he's like, I killed people. And the cops are like, nah, I don't think you did. He's like, no, but I, but I killed like people at this place. I worked, I, I murdered them. They're like, nah. And he's just like, guys, like, so they're like, all right, well, I, We'll give you a lie detector test. This is like the reverse of what we hear from cops, yeah. where they're like right. usually like pressuring people into confessions. They're like, they just didn't want to do the paperwork. They're like, oh yeah. god, just please leave. They're like, what state did you do that in? Like, buddy, you're in Massachusetts right now. Go back to Oklahoma and tell somebody. We don't want to deal with that right now. <laughs> and that's what happened. And like, so he finally takes this lie detector test. And they're like, fine. I guess you murdered some people. You had to make a big deal about it, so like we're gonna arrest you now, I guess. And yeah, this guy must have like, like mustered up so much courage to finally be like, you know what? I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna go into the police station. <laughs> I'm gonna confess. I'm gonna get this off my shoulders, and I'm just gonna. And he goes there, and they don't even believe him. <laughs> he has to convince them. <laughs> hook up yeah. to a polygraph test. <laughs> yeah, it's just like 
All right. I mean, I like, I know there's like false confessions to murders all the time and stuff like that, but like this dude was like coming from out of state. Like maybe you just check into it a little more before you're just like, nah, not, not you. Made people who actually got convicted of murder just want to pull their hair out. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so, and his whole reasoning was like, I wanted to see what it was like to kill somebody. And it's just like, that's just, it's just a real eerie reason to want to, to hear for the reason that somebody killed somebody, right? It wasn't over money. It wasn't over, you know, an incident with a significant other. Like, it just, there wasn't anything else that brought it on. It was just like, I just, I want to try strawberry ice cream. I want to kill somebody, you know, same thing, you know, just, so it's it's just, it's just a real eerie thing that that's, so nonchalant and I, maybe it's a it pretty wasn't. bad reason it's not a good one no it's awful and then you and then you do it by becoming an orderly or a nurse at a mental asylum with people that have no protection you know based on what their diagnosis is like you're just picking on like people that are defenseless especially when they're sleeping i mean come yeah. on so, like and then the the second story would be the priest, right? So Frank Dolan took it over, right? Um, he turned it into more of a rehab center. Exactly. And, uh, he was killed by patients, right? Yeah, but it wasn't just that he was killed by patients. It's after he was, I, I'm just going to say, finally killed, because it wasn't the first attempt on his life. It was the th- at least the third. And it was never by the same people, and it was always by patients from his from his drug rehab place from the from the asylum, which was like you said, a alcohol and drug rehabilitation center. And people from that drug and rehabilitation center would come and try to kill him, and he never turned them in. So there must have been some really shady stuff going on, like for them to keep for different people to keep coming after him. And one one time, the the one that I found crazy is it was an older man and a teenager that attacked him, and they tried to light him on fire while he was alive. They like doused him in like I think kerosene, and somehow he made it to his car to get away while he was still drenched in kerosene before they were able to light him on fire. So, yeah, he was constantly attacked. There was. The only thing I read that he had done that was shady that they know, well, other than the soliciting prostitution, um, was they think he was rigging bingo games or something like that. Then say no more. That's all you had to say. Right. Had it coming. Yeah. So he was, I mean, if he's doing this stuff and these things that they know, what else was he doing? You dabble in prostitution, you get one pass. You mess with people's bingo. <laughs> done. <You're> done. <laughs> yeah. How dare you? How dare you? Nobody fucks that? around on bingo night. Yeah. <laughs> so, so he ends up passing away, and the overall theory, and then the place goes into decay, as you saw if you were watching on the YouTube stream. If not, I suggest you um, at some point try to find this video on YouTube because you can see the actual state of the mental asylum now. And it is in shambles. Like, it is not safe to be there. And people are still using it as, like, an urban explorer place, but I do not recommend going there. It looks like it's going to fall down any minute. 
Yeah, it's and the theory is that you know the the common thing we hear where they think there's a demon lurking within there and it possesses people. I mean, and it's tough to argue because you have the guy that just wanted to kill to see what it felt like, and then you have different sets of guys come out of that building and try to kill the same person. There was definitely yes. something driving people to want to do evil things there. And that could be something definitely on the lines of demonic possession. Also, I mean, if it's an insane asylum, people are going to do insane things, but even when it wasn't. So when the, when they kept trying to kill the priest, that's when it was just a rehab. So a little bit different. Dave, you're going to say something. Yeah. So there's, there's all, there's always intersections with demonic possessions and mental asylums. And um, it's pretty common that, these two things, they, they especially used to get conflated a lot back in the old times when people would say um, they would just institutionalize everyone for everything. And, you know, a lot of these people would claim that they had demonic possessions. Even still nowadays, you get that a lot. You get it more, I think more so you get people that do something and they try and blame it on demonic possession. But um, those two, those two things are, uh, are pretty consistently intersecting. Right. I mean, well, there's people that are trying to deny, you know, culpability for what their actions but there's other places that you look into and you're just like well it feels like there's a little more here and it's how do we do how do we draw that distinction how do we figure out what we think is right because it's a it's a tough line to balance it is and the people there are people that have uh that worked on exorcisms before like um richard gallagher dr richard gallagher is a uh, psychologist and he has a book and he says um He's like, I always hear people say, I'm like, oh, yeah, possessions aren't real. He's like, I used to not believe it myself. He's, always just, he's like, I kind of laughed to myself. He's like, you haven't seen you haven't seen an exorcism. And he just says, once you've seen it, like an actual exorcism, it's like you're not, you, you change your mind. So those kind of witness testimonies always I find very interesting, especially someone who has like a PhD. Right. Like him. Yeah, it's very interesting. I've talked to the uh, priest at um, the church that uh, my family goes to and um, they do they uh, two of them are like part of like the exorcism team and they do uh, they've done a bunch of them before. And I don't know if I've told the story in the podcast. I'll keep it brief. Cause I don't want to tell it twice, but I, we had brought them over my house. Things had gotten kind of bad inside the house with like things moving around and people being grabbed. Like it got like haunted, haunted. And um, for me, I'm like, awesome but the wife is like she's had enough so <laughs> so she had called them in she brought them in and the, the priest had told us you know it's like you know we've done a bunch of these before he's like uh um but if you know things start but well, once i get started if things start shaking and you know candles fall over that's perfectly normal these things happen and i'm like it's not it i'm like that sounds awesome can i film he's it's, like, it's no. awesome but like, that's oh. not perfectly normal <laughs> but no the, the <laughs> things didn't start doing that but but uh yeah but but you know, so so they see that in today's point, like they've seen these things and um and they you know, they can make believers out of you, I, I suppose, if you don't. So right. So those the, those were the main ones that I found. Um you know, I, I did you guys look into any other things in Oklahoma City? Well Yeah. There's a haunted zoo. Hell yeah. Oh, is there? Yeah, so Oklahoma Zoo is ranked among the top 10 zoos in the entire United States and is the oldest in the Southwest. Aside from boasting over 100 landscaped areas filled with all manner of exotic animals, the zoo also has a resident ghost, 
Witnesses have reported seeing a pale female apparition with long flowing hair lurking around the aquatic building. Nobody knows who she is or where she came from, but she has come to be known as the Wraith of the Oklahoma City Zoo. So I yeah. thought that was pretty cool. I actually did read that one. I forgot about it. But yeah, when I very first started diving into it and I thought it was very cool. And I'm glad you brought it up because I was like, that's a perfect story to bring up on the discussion portion. Absolutely. So, I would, would I would absolutely go to a haunted zoo. I had so many to bring up and then I just realized that they're just in Oklahoma, not in Oklahoma City. So I will uh, save all of those for future episodes. I was like, oh, uh, I got six you didn't even mention. The Mara building <laughs> not, from not the Oklahoma matter. City bombing is haunted yes. also. And this is has a pretty creepy uh, story tied to it. Mm-hmm. And it's typically, so the only people who see ghosts are children's from age, children's, children from ages three to five. And parents say that if they take their children there, they'll often get very upset and scared. And then when asked, why they're spooked, the kids usually reply that they see the dead people wandering around. Which yeah, is weird so, because the, you gotta figure somebody from three to five years old isn't gonna have a whole lot of knowledge about that event from nineteen ninety five. Right. Um so what it, and it's a it's a constant thing. Like it's not yeah. just one kid, it's kids all the time that are there. So I was trying to tie that one in and actually cover that one, but there wasn't much to it. Like you literally just said the whole story. So for me to expand upon it, I couldn't find a way to, you know, like to add to what you said. So that was the one I was just about to bring up. So we covered that as well. Nui says uh, they've been to the zoo. It is haunted. They saw five spirits there. So there's a little live live recap of their zoo visit. Love to hear about it. Uh, If you can, shoot us an email. uh, Hometownghoststories at gmail.com. Let us know about these uh, haunted stories that you have. We'll try to uh, summarize and break them down on a future episode for sure. So, yeah. I'm um, so, going to credit. So, real quick, just the website that I got these stories from was hauntedrooms.com because I literally read right from the site. So, nice. I figured I'd plug them. Fox Crown wants to know if there's a heavy cruiser in Oklahoma City that we can visit. Uh, we might as well keep that theme going. <laughs> but no, I'm, just, pretty sure that, I'm pretty sure USS Salem is the last heavy cruiser in the United States, possibly in the world. We just changed to strictly um, hometown ghost ships. <laughs> <laughs> but speaking of hometown ghost ships, unless there's anything else you guys want to talk on Oklahoma City, I think we can. No, I think we covered it all. And honestly, as fun as the stories from Oklahoma City were, unless it's more like personal stories, I don't think we're going to go back to Oklahoma City because although their stories were cool, like we just said, some of these other ones we hit were cool but they're like 30 second stories with not a lot of history to them you don't mm-hmm. really know what's going on with them so unless my new way wants to find a way to conjure a demon and come up with a pretty good story and email that to us yeah i mean then we'll cover that that's what that's i mean personal so sometimes you get a demon for us <laughs> just someone we dedicated to the show it's fine <laughs> you see the red light just do it um don't do it we did not tell you to do it we did not tell you to summon a demon no we do, no. We do not need Full that disclosure. We do not need that kind of heat on us. I told you Um, I'm a demon. I wanted to do it. (laughs) (laughs) Well then, um, no. So again, the the paranormal convention was a lot of fun, but I think we need to get into. We got a lot of new reviews over the week, and I think we need to get into some of those. 
Yeah, uh, let's pull those up. In the meantime, uh, for more details on the USS Salem, like I said, I'm going to cover it next week. So that'll be next week's episode. You'll get the history of the ghost ship, and then uh, we'll do a brief recap of the investigation that us and a couple other paranormal teams did on the ship. So you get some uh, some details on that. Very cool. A lot of pretty cool ghost stories on that one, and a lot of history that I didn't know about, which um, I looked into after day one and then going into day two. Uh, then I was an expert, you know? Right. So a little bit of research took care of it. Jesse Rob, started giving tours. It was it was wild. It's just what I do. You know, I adapt <laughs> and I overcome. Uh, Rob, you get a review up there ready for us? Yeah, I'll read the first one from Karen. It's titled So Good. It says, these guys are so great. Such. There's a lot of C's and H's in there. A good find. Feels like I'm hanging with friends. They are great storytellers and a super fun listen. So glad I found this early on. Bummed I'm almost done binging. Will be torture waiting for the new episodes. Love that they share their own personal experiences as well as their skepticism. Hooked. So that's that review from Karen. That was a good one. I got one from Miss Heather Ashley. Says, educational, funny, spooky. What more can you ask for? I actually listen to this while I'm winding down for bed. The stories are told with such description that you can easily visualize it all. Amazing work. Five stars. Boom. Thank you, Miss Heather Ashley. We got an update. Uh, from Tones1005, longtime listener, and this show is fantastic. I love the Haunted Objects side content and honestly look forward every week to the mention of the Titanic in all of them. Keep up the good work, guys. Hashtag Dave Sucks. Uh, nice. <laughs> That's perfect. Love it. <laughs> uh, Rob, I feel like you got to read the one from Sarah. I'll read that after you read the one from probably... Yeah, so this username made me think it was going to be a negative review. But I did too. The username did. is just probably not the greatest but the the comment and it's five stars it does say love the series it says uh it's really nice it's well done and i think it's awesome the way it is described is just wow it gives me chills the way he describes it as well i think it's probably one of the best podcasts you'll find out there y'all haters lol just kidding i'm not like that kind of person i feel like i did as best i could not a lot of punctuation going on there, but thank you for the five-star review. I appreciate that. Probably not the greatest. <laughs> what a confusing username you have. Yeah, it, it really Thank threw you me. so much for five stars. That was great. It threw me so bad. I'm like, I'm like reading. I'm like, wait, that's the username. Oh Here we go. Oh, no. yeah. yeah, that's great. Like, finally, we got our negative review. Um, so this one is from Sarah. It's titled Spooky Fun. It says, I love the history and the discussions after. It's a new way to enjoy ghost stories. I appreciate the increased quality as the season progressed. I love the beautiful voice of Rob. It's like music to my ears. I am looking forward to seeing you guys grow and continue to improve. I wish you much success. All right, Sarah, I need you to she, get your she ear. Like, she listen to French horn music? Sarah, Sarah I need you to get your <laughs> ear real close, real close to the speaker. I'm going to whisper about ghosts to you for the rest of the night. Just, just get over here. Get over here, Sarah. All right, I'm done. I'm done. I did it. But yeah, so thank you to everybody that gave us a new review. Um, Cash in the chat says that Rob has the voice of an angel. So that's the theme is that I see everyone seems to agree. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I sound like Kermit the Frog, but if everyone else doesn't, <laughs> everybody <laughs> loves Rob. Yeah. Yes. And Dave sucks. And Dave sucks. And French <laughs> yes. Yeah, so what did you say? We're covering, we're going to cover the ship next week. Uh, yeah, yeah. So Quincy, Massachusetts, applied tie in a couple locations in Quincy and also covered the USS Salem. Nice. The ghost you know what you're covering after that, Dave? 
No, I just finished uh, just finished my sad content episode uh, while the intro was playing here. So. <laughs> I, I heard you swearing. I'm like, what's he doing? <laughs> a little bit. That's what he's doing. <laughs> at the show. Um, yeah, so that's what we got. We got Quincy coming up. We got a Houdini episode coming up for the side content. We have some more side content that will drop exclusively on the Patreon. I think over the weekend I'll have one up on there for that. Cash is asking um, if my headphones get bigger every week. <laughs> I think your camera's just closer, but it does look like that. Now. It does. It does. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, guys. That's pretty much it for me. Cool. Well, thank you guys for listening. The way you support the show, if you like the show, is do drop us a five-star review and leave a comment, and we will uh, go ahead and read them out just like we did with all those. So we do appreciate it. And um, once again, thanks to everyone who showed up to the uh paracon 2022 and hung out with us we'll let you guys know when the next convention that we're going to do is probably mohegan sun but i don't want to get everyone hyped up that for that one just yet until we confirm it so i think that'll be the next one he said probably definitely be at mohegan (laughs) so count on that get your tickets anyways you're going to uh have jumbo marry the annabelle doll oh more in a box yeah, I'm sure they'll consent to that. That'll be great. <laughs> so, again, thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, we'll be back on Friday with a brand new side content uh, side content episode. That's the um, celebrity hauntings. That were that's the game plan. Yep. Oh, yeah, celebrity hauntings. The ghost of Houdini. Good old Harry Houdini. I do appreciate That'll it. Be on um, on uh, Patreon tomorrow, and then everyone else on Friday. Mm-hmm. If you're interested in getting content early, then do consider. Jump it on Patreon, drop a little subscription. You get your name in the credits. We do actually have uh, swag to give out. Do we have any t-shirts left or did we sell out already? Uh, no, we have, we have some left. I meant to get a count of what's left. We've got like one medium, bunch of XLs, a couple large. Okay, yeah. so if you're interested in a shirt, um, just shoot us an email or a, a message on Discord or however you want to contact us. We're pretty responsive on all social media platforms and we can talk about getting a shirt shipped out to you. We also have stickers, magnets, Coasters, we have a few a uh, few cool things. Where's my if t-shirt? If you're a uh, Patreon uh, subscriber, a t-shirt is on the way already. Oh, really? Nice that's job. Not, that's a lie. I haven't <laughs> shipped it yet. Okay. I mean, well, they're in the the process, process is in motion. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you to the Patreons. We have Jake V, Stephanie A, Seth, Dave, Sucks W, Captain McSlugs, and Sarah R. Thank you guys so much. We will be back next week. Uh, Such a guy will save you a shirt. So we will uh, discuss that further. And um, yeah, that will pretty much do it. Follow us on Twitter for more updates, and we will catch you guys on Friday for a little bit of Harry Houdini action, then back next Tuesday live every Tuesday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Thank you, guys. We'll see you then.